This is Story of Design Podcast, Episode 7. Sebastian Saju of Arclight on creating circularity for plastic. This episode is sponsored by BioLiving, an innovator in sustainable weaving practices for design and architectural applications. Welcome to the Story of Design Podcast. I'm Karina, your host, creator of The Design Story, who truly believes that there is so much more to design than meets the eye. This is a podcast that asks the why around design. We'll dig into designers, creative thinkers, and businesses that have stakes in shaping the future of the design industry. I'm inviting you all to join me in connecting with the effects of good, well-thought-of design. So let's begin. Day by day, we are made more and more aware of the issue of waste, especially plastic waste. And it is the topic of today's discussion, and I have got the perfect person to converse with on this matter. Sebastian Saju is the CEO of Arclight. Arclight is a recycling technology company that develops a technology that is first and foremost low cost to make it easily scalable. And second, it is also capable of recycling all types of plastic and not every other company can do this. And this technology allows them to produce the first ever commodity in the construction field that is made out of garbage through their product called plastic gravel, which is essentially a high efficiency gravel for many applications like on concrete, drainage, and precast. It is very impressive the many awards and recognitions Arclight has gotten out of this initiative and their technology. This is just a few of their milestone. Um, Echoing Green Fellow of 2016, Semex Tax Winner of 2018, and recognitions from Argentina's Ministry of Production, Science, and Environment. Now, Arclight SBC is a special purpose corporation incorporated in the state of Washington, committing to reinvest more than 50% of its profit back to the business to keep innovating and developing new and more efficient solutions to solve the global problem of plastic pollution. That is exactly what Sebastian is going to share with us today about how his company is one solution to the world's plastic problem. Pleasure to have you, Sebastian. Well, uh, thank you for having me here and thanks for the great introduction. <laughs> no, my pleasure. So let's get to what inspired you to build Arclight. Well, uh, you know, it's like I, I've been all like all my life working on, on things related to communication and marketing and art. And I was always very related to, to people, right? So we're very human activities so at some point when i wanted to look for a for a pivot in, in my career i thought that um working on environmental and sustainability activities would uh give us like uh this double benefit of being capable of uh, leading a, a profitable and and sustainable business but also having the the power to to give a, or generate a positive impact in the world. So I, I was also driven by, by institutions like B corporations, you know, that 
kind of establish the kind those kind of concepts. So that's why I uh, I, I started working on on recycling. And once you start working on recycling and you start getting more and more aware, studied of course, I studied environmental consultancy. And and once you start getting more aware, is that you um, start start to feel more connected to the problem and and also looking for is a driver to look for for more innovations and for more solutions. I see. Now, can you tell us more about ArcLight and the technology? Well, ArcLight it's it's uh, kind of built to generate large scale solutions to large scale environmental problems. So we we decided to work specifically on plastics, which is one of the one of the biggest environmental problems now. Not plastic by itself, but the what's happening with plastics after their their use, right? After it's it's being discarded. So so the company Arclad will basically do is work on on the development of new technologies that can partner with the construction industry, which is a huge industry and it's capable of let's say absorbing or incorporating several amounts of, of products. So our, our basic concept is develop efficient products for the construction industry to be able, as you said before, process them uh, on a, let's say low cost or efficient and competitive cost. So, so we can build those scalable solutions. So that's what we are currently doing. That's our, our first product is this uh, Arclight Gravel. And, and it's uh, working very well and, and it's very well, uh, it's very good, not only because it's eco-friendly, but also because it's highly efficient and that's what the construction industry is always looking for. Right. So you mentioned earlier that this plastic gravel is just the beginning. So I'm assuming there will be more coming. Yeah, exactly. So, so this is just the tip of the iceberg. Our technology differs or, or differentiates from, from other technologies because we can process mixed plastics, right? Because, uh, you, you know, plastics can only be recycled within the same stream, like number ones with yeah. number ones, number two with number two, and so on. So we are capable of recycling everything mixed. And that's the main difference. Once you got that technology and you can dominate that, you can produce other different things. So, so this is just our very first product. But we do, and, and we need to, to set our kind of goals and, and targets into a range and type of products. So what we are working is like always orienting ourselves to building and, and construction materials. Yeah, on that though, I'm wondering why you chose to have a construction material as the first end product that you make? Is it because it is one of the largest untapped industries? Well, yeah, the main reason is, is that they have the let's say the the power to to use millions of tons let's say when we refer to gravel for example gravel is is a commodity and it's a base product for for a lot of uses which can be uh concrete mixes can be fillers for drainage systems fillers for um filtering for water remediation so so it's like it's like massively used. So if we consider that uh, about around 350 million tons of plastics are discarded every year, well, 
if we could take all that those plastics and turn it into gravel, the construction industry will be able to absorb all that gravel and use it on, on, on these many applications. So that's kind of beginning with a theory of a, of a real solution. Then of course, uh, that then we still need to build enough um, recycling facilities as to process all those plastics. But I mean, that's the starting point. Then, then we can, then we can spread to, to other products. And, and also one other thing about the construction industry is that on one side it's pretty conservative because it's kind of old school, but they are, I think the, the society is pushing industry, the construction industry as many of other industries into becoming more sustainable. So they're also very open to, to new materials and, and new solutions as well. No, I think it's smart, though, to sort of incorporate it inside concrete because the way I see it is that the job that you're doing right now is only cleaning up what's already out there, right? The crazy amount of plastic that cannot be destroyed. So if it is indestructible, might as well bury it. <laughs> is it a oh, wrong way of looking at it? Well, yeah, it's actually, if you think... When, when when concrete companies or construction companies they they use a concrete mix, you have to mine a quarry to 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 take out that gravel from the environment, transport it to the city hundreds of miles just to bury it in a concrete slab. Okay, yeah. so it's, it's it's crazy. What we do is we take local waste, we turn it into this artificial gravel that can then be used as a substitute for mineral gravel and it stays encapsulated inside concrete like and and it's like really uh a, yeah turning waste into into a product into into value it's a perfect circular circular economy yeah yeah circular probably. solution right how much relevant if you have to say do you think arc light and its recycling technology are to social values of today well, I I don't know how much social values is that. That's a very uh, that's a very big thing. But but we try to contribute as much as possible. First of all, on our industrial role and and recycling role, and also now working with uh, big companies, mainly consumer brands, to help them um, to help them mitigate. The, their impact by by working on, on carbon offsets or, or plastic offsets so we are kind of taking away plastics from the environment helping them recover those plastics and usually these campaigns are associated to the participation of of consumers so that's the way we can uh, kind of leave our more industrial and, and technical work and get connected to the society, to regular people that on their everyday life, they can start separating, knowing more about the products, knowing what a laminate is and why it can't be recycled. And, and by, by standard technology, how they need to choose products which are more sustainable. And ultimately that they still have our solution as a new proposal and a new option for, for those plastics. So we think we, we want to always stay connected to, to people rather than they're only working on a B2B base to, to help. I, I think it's, that's a way of 
scaling the solution, right? Not only on the industrial, but also on the on the awareness. Yeah. No, the reason why I asked this is because ArcLight itself is already meeting seven of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, right? In the decent work and economic growth, industry innovation and infrastructure, sustainable cities and communities, responsible consumption and production, climate action, life below water, and life on land. So it's already a great list that you help achieve. So kudos on that. And on top of it, you also think uh, about touching both businesses and consumers as well. And on the consumers end, I think not a lot of people are aware of how alarming this issue is. Yeah, because all we've been hearing are just numbers and statistics like Oh, there's 8 billion tons of plastic that have been produced since the early 50s. But we never know how crazy amount that 8 billion tons of plastic is. So, yeah, like I myself understand this issue has existed from years back. But only a few years ago that I learned that it is very dangerous that we might be inhaling plastic particles at this very second. And how lives, not just fish and birds... But other animals and humans as well can die from eating and inhaling plastic. So I'm sure that you're more aware on the situation. So would you like to add on to how dangerous and how concerning this problem is? Well, sure. So it's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a big problem, certainly. Also, if we think that today is a big problem, but also if, if the projections that are showing that the use of plastic is gonna duplicate by 2050. Uh, that's gonna be double the problem. So on one side, you get these new technologies making newer plastics more recyclable, or more, more environmentally friendly, but uh, the growth and population, the growth of consumption is, is all already uh, needing for, for new packaging, low cost and then you go back to the unrecyclable so it's like one one industry is pushing into more recycles and then society is pushing for for what's more low cost and usually more complex to recycle so you get this struggle all the time and and yeah and the main main concerns are of course when those plastics reach the environment could be on a dump on a landfill or, or, with, or what's even worse on a, on a water course where the main issue is that due to the forces of nature, basically like erosion and, and UV light, those plastics are, are broken into smaller particles, usually known as microplastics, which is a, a, a very uh, trendy word nowadays. Like everybody's very worried about microplastics and they should. Uh, definitely. So, so what what we are working on is by diverting those plastics and turning them into a product. Is that we are uh, avoiding that erosion and and those factors that are um, breaking down those plastics. So I think it's important to find solutions that can, uh, yeah, somehow avoid those plastics reaching the environment. They can. They can be different technologies, and, and, and of course, it's great that there are a lot of new ideas on, on taking care of these plastics. So everything is pointing that way, but the, the 
best thing to do is to educate consumers and and to and to provide resources to to new projects that can work on this kind of solutions yeah and in my personal view this problem is not like other types of problem where the burden is on the users like if we think of water consumption or electricity consumption it is a lot on the users to sort of change their mindset and only then major change will happen right but with plastic i feel like a lot of it is in the producers so like big corporations that manufacture the plastic themselves because if there's no plastic out there there's no one that produces plastic then there will be no plastic laying around to use right yeah totally i agree but if but if you go a little bit like like a little bit back to see the full picture companies they are businesses and they're only driven by what the, their customers say so if you want the brands to to make a change we need us as customers demand we, we need to demand that change we need to ask them we don't want to see these kind of plastics anymore there so so it's like it's circular you know it's like the, the companies are the ones that are going to scale up what what we as consumers are asking them because they have usually consumer brands they are multinationals they are all around the world they are owned by most, most of the brands are are owned by the same companies so once you produce this first change it's going to be like a chain of 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 new things moving that way um so so that's that's kind of how we, i think we can we, we can be part of the change and also one thing to consider is that plastic it's a it's a great product itself a great material like sometimes if you can compare uh let's say i don't know you go you go to a supermarket and buy a uh some ground coffee on a on a plastic pouch that could be maybe a tenth of of the impact of buying it on a on a glass bottle or a glass mm. jar or 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 on a can even even if it's on a can the thing is what happens because of because of plastic being so thin and 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 reducing transportation costs and emissions the thing yeah. is what happens after okay because you can say okay the the cans and the tins and are easier to recycle after because it's already a system they are waiting for them now we need to build that that system for for plastics as well so once it's discarded it goes back to the beginning and can be recycled again yeah i so agree on that you know in the old days when people used to say that paper is better than plastic no it takes i don't know how many gallons of water to produce a single sheet of paper and that's so crazy to think about it because yeah maybe for paper it is better in the afterlife but what about the amount of water you waste that's that's pretty mind blowing <laughs> but So you're saying that it is important to design the whole system to make it a looping one like in the circular economy model right for every material the system has to loop. Yeah, totally. And we don't we don't have to uh, we need to keep in mind that that everything we do generates an impact, right? Every time we consume, we buy, we purchase something we go out to the street, it generates an impact. So it's about being conscious about the impact we are generating being responsible not only when we buy things but also when we dis- discard those things 
and and that's what's gonna that that's circular economy, right? That's on our hands and and it falls on on our on our side. So so it's a it's it's a team a team play. You need the government there being uh, regulating the companies. You need the companies to start maybe turning into big corporations and and that that kind of mindset which is sometimes difficult for big companies for with hundreds of years so what these companies are doing now for example to compensate this is partnering with startups with mm. startups working on on sustainable and sustainable products and services so that's a way they are kind of uh, yeah compensating and, and getting a little bit more 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 eco-friendly or sustainable and with this different this different mindset so it's all part of a change everything's going that way the thing is that's going slowly or slower than than the the environment needs so the good thing is that there's a lot of things to do and for people like you and i and the people that of course for sure is listening there's a lot of space and and to work on and, and a lot of action that can be taken cool and it's awesome that our glide is sort of closing in the plastic life loop <laughs> So what's next for Arclight and how is it moving forward? Especially you said that plastic gravel is just the beginning, right? Yeah, so now we are, as, as, as I mentioned before, we are working in our facility in Argentina that's up and running. And we are bringing that technology to the U.S. We are installing a, our first large-scale facility in Santa Ana in California. It's going to be capable of processing up to 1,500 tons per month of materials and and we have already some some agreements with uh, local material recycling facilities because what we do is we take the rejected plastics the ones that they can't uh, separate for for selling or recycling and they are currently sending to landfill so we're partnering with these MERVs and also with private companies consumer brands over here to to take their plastics and turn it into into gravel and on the construction side we've got great partners like cmex for example and another construction companies already waiting for for the product so our next step is to set up that over here it's going to be up and running in a couple of months and then hopefully uh, use that model to start offering licenses to to scale it globally so we can take this solution to every big city around the world. Yeah, and how old is Arclight exactly? I don't think I've mentioned it before when it was founded. Well, I started I started in 2015 and I, I was part of an accelerator accelerator program called Fledge, which is uh, mm -hmm. located in Seattle. And that's how I got to know the US West Coast and and also the kind of awareness that distinguish this area uh, on awareness and sustainable awareness so so that's why i started there then i went back to argentina to work on r d for the past four years and well now i'm back in the in the area i'm in california pretty close to seattle and mm. and yeah like everything started like five years ago with a homemade piece of gravel and now we are building up a 
a, a plant in in the U.S. It's crazy. That's so major, and it is very humbling to know where you started and look where you are right now. So it's really, really inspiring, and I hope it'll inspire other people as well. So. Thank you, Sebastian, for sharing. No, my pleasure. Let me know if you have any other questions. I can I'll be happy to help. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please connect with us on our website and social media. Our Instagram is the design story with two Y's because one Y was already taken. But in all seriousness, we would really love to hear from you. So shoot us feedback, questions, and share with your friends. If this is your first time on Story of Design, welcome to the community. Subscribe and leave a review if this motivates you in some ways. Take care and stay inspired.